my favorite part of the whole movie watching it today was knowing that you had to watch those sex scenes. Sex scenes where they really took me aback. That was my favorite part is I, I literally said out loud. It's my favorite thing is knowing that Christy had to watch this. All right, Anne, here we are this week. I'm not, I, this is no hyperbole. There is so much to talk about, Anne. I have <laughs> so much to talk about. Wow. I'm excited. Yeah, it is. It's exciting because, well, all right, sorry. Let's start. Just, you can't even get it. You just don't even know where to begin. It's, it's, there's just so, there's just a plethora of things going on. And that just sounds like I'm hyping it up, but it's, it's not, it's, it's true. It's just true. <laughs> just true. Wow. Uh, but yeah, but first we should say this is that's outrageous. Yeah. And I'm Chrissy. And I'm Anne. And this is the podcast where we talk about, you know, stories and underrated movies. And it's just us talking about ill-conceived plans. Yeah. On whim. Well, you know what? I'm also, this was another, this was another uh, epiphany I had this week. Wow. Epiphany. Yeah, well, I was looking up stories for this week, and then I read this article. Uh, uh, New York University has done a study of misinformation on the web. Mm, which I'm assuming is quite a bit. Yeah, they're actually, I know this probably everyone could figure this out, but misinformation on the web is far more popular than accurate information on the web. I think that's true in life. I mean, people like to listen to like rumors and gossip more than truth. Yeah. But this is what I became afraid of because they were talking about how, you know, the far right has misinformation, the far left has misinformation, but they were saying that in the middle, which in full transparency is where I get all of my news stories for this. <laughs> From questionable Listen, website names. Well, yeah. they're legitimate website, but they're saying like, you know, in the middle, the misinformation is usually around wacky stories. And I was like, oh my God, what if I'm spreading fake news? Oh no. But I, I'm, okay, I'm okay with maybe um, an embellished news story on a walrus. <laughs> Not so much. Um, <laughs> you know, 9-11 conspiracies. Right. So I'm just saying if I am inadvertently spreading fake news about the walrus or any other woodland creature, <laughs> it's not intentional. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Well, we'll all be able to sleep at night. It's okay. That's right. Okay. But Anne, this might trigger you right from the start. Oh boy. But I'm not kidding. I don't know what's going on in the world. Everyone is setting new Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, look, I think people, you know what, honestly, I bet with the pandemic, people have a lot of time on their hands. So they've thought about it, what record they would do. Number one, yeah. then they started practicing to achieve that goal. And now we're what, almost two years out They're They're like, this is, this is my moment. I'm going to, to go for it. Yeah. Well, last week we had the world record on the hoppity hop, which was dumb. They're all dumb. This week, I'm not kidding. Three new Guinness Book of World Records. Three, three stories I found. How do they keep track of all this stuff? You just like, so do you just submit, submit it into a website or something? 
I don't know, but I really, I know you're going to resist this. I think we have to think of what our record is. I think we have to go for this, Anne. I think we do. I don't know what it would be. Well, all right. I'm going to tell you this week's three new Guinness Book of World okay. Records. Okay. All right. Okay. And, and they're all, they're all go in the category of why would you even do this? I yeah. Really- why, why did this even occur to you as an option? Yeah. Okay. Story number one. An Idaho man enlisted the help of his five-year-old son to break a Guinness Book of World Records for the fastest 10-meter shuttle run while pushing a stroller. What's a shuttle run? Right. So basically, he uh, put his son, his five-year-old son, you have to, I, I guess there's a minimum weight requirement for this record. You have to be at least 44 pounds. I was going to say, isn't five a little old to be in a stroller? Right. So he put him in basically a jog stroller. That's what the the picture is, a jogging stroller. And 10 meters is only 32.8 feet. I never, I was just saying, I don't, I can't visualize distance. It's like from your door to the end of your driveway. Like it's not, this is not a far distance. So it would be like a, like the hundred yard dash kind of thing. It's a third of that because the hundred yard dash is 300 feet. Oh, so it's not far. It's just like run real quick, like a sprint, a sprint. And the challenge is you have to set up the stroller, get the kid in it, run, and then break the stroller down. I'm going to already call this entire operation into question (laughs) because the, un, under this record, everyone would have to be using the same stroller because some strollers are more difficult to open than others and close than others. So sure. already I find his entire premise moot. Yeah. Well, I guess there are variably. That's true. And that's a good point. There are variables. Uh, but the time to beat was 15 seconds and they managed to do it in 10. Again, let's see the strollers i would like to see you know what stroller technology has probably come a bit of a way since the last person attempted this record yeah yeah listen Anne. we're gonna do so- we're gonna do something all right can it be um le- level of irritation by the guinness book of world records like consecutive <laughs> minutes or like that could be i think that could be all right here's record number two you ready for this one okay a 13-year-old indoor skydiving enthusiast in Japan. Oh, brother, what a combo. Oh, two records for spinning in a wind tunnel. Okay. Okay. This girl, her passion is indoor skydiving. And she broke the record for the most front split spins in one minute and the most 360 horizontal spins in one minute. This one I'm not mad at. Oh. Because skydiving is a real thing. It's not it's not running to the end of your driveway with a stroller with your too big kid in it. Okay. Skydiving is a real thing. And then I assume like doing the spinning within the wind is a skill that you have to practice at. Well, she did it said she did train for three months. So that one I'll 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 give a pass. But it's all it's in it's indoor. I, I don't and also it's a 13 year old kid. So this one, good job. All right. Well, she did. I don't understand what a front split is, but she did 78 front split spins in one minute and 60 
horizontal spins in the allotted time. It sounds hard. I feel like I wouldn't be able to do that, but I would be able to run at the end of the driveway and take a stroller down. Yeah. Well, yes, this one, I think it sounds like I would throw up at the end of it. Oh, for sure. I'd throw up. Yeah. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be pleasant, but Yes. So that is record number two, two, I guess, two and three that was set this week. Okay. So, so I find of the two thus far, one legitimate, one lame. <laughs> All right. And this one, I watched the video of this. This is, I mean, I don't know why you'd want to do this, but it was interesting. This one was in Turkey, the country. Okay. Uh, an Italian stunt pilot flew a Custom modified plane, 1.4 miles through a pair of tunnels in Turkey. That sounds harrowing. Like if you are wrong, you're going to die. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he took, uh, it, it almost, when you watch the video, it, you can't even really tell that he's flying. Cause it looks like he could be like just driving the plane through, but then at the end it takes off just to show that he was you know, above the ground. That one's scary. I mean, do you really want to die trying to break Guinness Book of World Records? No. Uh, and he said, I'd never flown in a tunnel in my life. Nobody had ever done it. So there was a big question mark in my head whether everything would go as we expected. Yeah, I question it. I, I question um, this man. Yeah, it took him 43.44 seconds to fly through the tunnels. That's a long time when you're almost crashing into concrete. Yeah, so those were the three records. I would say that one took the most skill. One's kind of cool, one's totally lame, and one's like, why are you risking your life? It's the Guinness (laughs) Book of World Records. Do you want to die for the same award that someone got for making a big pancake? Yeah. That's what you have to ask yourself. It's a good point, Anne. That is a good point. My town, when I was little, they used to set a Guinness Book of World Records every year for one of those food things, like largest cake, biggest yeah. pancake. Like they biggest did it every pumpkin. year. And I mean, hey, he, he may have died, but it wasn't in vain. Because now he's immortalized he's in, in the Guinness He's in book. the page next to the person who grew the largest zucchini. That's right. I'm just saying there's a whole Guinness movement happening. I think we have to get in on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, if anything, we're on the pulse of uh, pop culture, Chrissy. Yeah, I'm going to think of something for us to do, Anne. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to think of something. And then if we ever see each other in person again, we're going to do it. <laughs> that could be our, our record. We just never see each other in person again. Longest <laughs> time on Zoom. <laughs> Longest Zoom podcast. I'm sure yeah. there are people much longer than us at this point, but we can stick in it. We can it's stick with it. Beer. Yeah. All right. Now our next story, Anne, this one is truly outrageous. Oh, and maybe you heard this because I saw this on the, on the mainstream news. So hopefully. I'm oh, not so this is a real news story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I'm not spreading falsehoods, but, and maybe you saw this too. So this woman was arrested in Hawaii for faking her vaccine card. I did see this idiot. Yes. Yes. I did. So she was unvaccinated and she wanted to go to Hawaii on vacation. And there was a 10 day quarantine mandate 
that she wanted to bypass. And so she forged a uh, vaccine card. However, she spelled Moderna incorrectly, which was the first tip off to the authorities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this woman is an Illinois resident and she claimed that she was vaccinated in Delaware. How dare you, madam? I know, right? Uh, by two National Guard members identified. Now, this is the name. I, I, my vaccine card doesn't have anyone's name on it, but this no, is. It doesn't say the person that did it. No. And they, they wrote Corporal CPL Wolf and Sergeant SSGT Monty. I don't believe there is such a thing as a Sergeant Monty or a Corporal Wolf. No, no. And then they spelled Moderna with an A. Actually, it's very poorly spelled. Anyway, um, so the Hawaiian authorities called Delaware to see if she was, in fact, uh, vaccinated. And lo and behold. And Delaware said, nope. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, they didn't hold her up when she got in. So she spent her time in Hawaii. And then um, they had to do some sleuthing to track her down and found a Facebook account in which she described herself as a model. I don't know if that has anything to do with the price of bread, but, uh, and then she had a distinctive tattoo on her left hip. She's a, she's a left hip tattoo model, Chrissy. (laughs) It's very niche. Yeah. It's very niche, but it can be lucrative. Very. That could go in the Guinness Book of World Records. Yeah, not lucrative enough to get a a, a good fake vaccination card, apparently, but still. No, so they did detain her on her way out of the state. They caught her at the uh, Honolulu airport and she was arrested as she was attempting to fly home. Good. I think we all knew it wasn't going to take long for something like this to happen. I have no patience for it. And also... I mean, if you're going to go through the trouble of faking it, at least have it be accurate. I mean, you don't know how to, you know, I mean, come on. I will say those vaccine cards do seem very easy to forge. Mine is like handwritten. It's well, that's just what like, I'm saying. It's so it yeah. would, I would think it would be pretty easy to forge, but this woman's yeah. such an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, th- I hope they throw the book at her. If you don't want to get the vaccine. Don't try to go to Hawaii. Yeah, then stay home and don't get on an airplane. Yeah. What that? Yeah, don't get on an airplane. All right, Anne. And then my next story is about another person that drives you crazy. Ooh, okay. This one is about James Corden. Oh, God, I can't stand James Corden. <laughs> So you might have seen this. He's done this in the past where he stops traffic in LA and reenacts scenes from musicals in the in the intersection. Oh God. You know what? Is there anything worse? <laughs> Here's the thing. You want to do your mediocre bullshit on your own time, knock yourself out. But don't fucking come and interrupt my day. I'm I have somewhere to be. I don't need you to stop and prance or do your carpool karaoke or any of that fucking bullshit. If I'm interested, I will tune in. Guess what? I'm not going to be tuning in. But certainly do not interrupt my my day. Yes. Well, 
that is what he did along with Camilla Cabello, Idina Menzel, and Billy Porter, who are all in the Cinderella movie with him. Oh, I bet the only one that enjoyed themselves though was Corden. I guarantee the other three were like, oh God, I can't believe they're making us do this. Well, there, yeah, there is video of it that does seem very cringy that a driver took as uh, James Corden came up to his window and dressed as a mouse was doing pelvic thrusts. Yeah, like he's, he like gave it his all. And I'm sure the rest of them were like, I'm just going to phone it in, but enough to be professional, (laughs) but we're not doing anything above and beyond. And Corden's like probably climbing on cars and shit. I think these things in the past have sort of been taken with, you know, a bit of levity, but I think people are over it. And there was a slew of backslash on, sorry, there was a slew of backlash, backlash and slash slashing and lashing it just hurt both there was slashing and lashing all over twitter people saying what if someone was in an ambulance and this is why they didn't get to the hospital i mean that's a little look i guarantee i'm sure if you said move out of the way cordon my wife's in labor it would have been fine but it, it's just you know the world we're going through a lot in the world right now and and i and i just don't think anyone is in the mindset to be delighted by this fucking idiot in a, in a mouse costume. It's just how much can a person take? Well, that there was a lot, there was a lot of negativity put out there by this uh, latest stunt. And maybe if it wasn't him, I personally just, I, I know some people think he's delightful. I find him insufferable. So yeah, of course I'm gonna be horrified, but then I'm like, okay. Let me remove him from the scenario. And what if someone that I was a fan of appeared to me in front of my windshield dressed as a mouse thrusting? Would I be excited by that? <laughs> um, maybe. I have to say, I like James Corden. I'm one of those people that like him. But yeah, <sighs> this is, I think these things are getting a little bit like once you do it once you need to do it again yeah like what is that like a flash mob like that's like very 2002 yeah yeah it's it's just and people are just not having it they're just they're like what if you were late and you had to explain that this is the reason why you were late to work you know on what if you're not even late what if you're just trying to go to like you know the grocery store and james corden is is like dancing around your car like no i'm no and also by the way that doesn't make no. me want to go see cinderella either i'm not sure what dancing around and for some inexplicable reason they were they were singing to jennifer lopez's let's get loud uh did she authorize that i would like to know i don't know, I don't know. here's the thing also and then i'm also going to say the the whoever whoever planned this did this media plan for this movie the fact that this was their fun like experiential moment is lame all right and we're gonna we're gonna bring this back around for the last story okay i feel confident you're gonna like this one all right barbie you know barbie dolls of course i love barbie doll barbie dolls plural barbie dolls well they have created i guess this happened uh probably in the last month they created barbie dolls of female scientists who played a role in the COVID pandemic 
either as scientists who helped create the vaccine or frontline workers. That's great. Yes, isn't that nice? So now they have- Is Barbie still hot though? Does she, is she like, still look like Barbie or did they design the doll to look like the doctors is the question. They did. Well, I will say there is, there is a photo of the real life, one of the real life women who was one of the scientists that helped create the Oxford COVID-19 vaccine, which I guess is in the UK. And her doll does look like her. She is an attractive doll, but they all, yeah, I think they're supposed to look like the people that inspired them. Um, But they're all, of course, wearing, you know, medical gear. Yeah garb i guess i think that's great it is so they're trying to do this to um have role models for young girls who are involved in stem and back to stem in the stem field so one is an emergency room nurse one is a frontline worker from las vegas one is a doctor who advocated against systemic racism in healthcare. one is a biomedical researcher and one is a doctor who founded gowns for doctors, a gown that can be laundered and reused. And they all have 18 inch waists. Yeah, right. They Well, they do. Yeah. Um, but I guess this is a trend, at least in the UK. They had previous role models, including um, the fastest w- woman in British history, a champion skateboarder, an activist, a boxer, so a broadcaster. So they're branching out the Barbie brand to include all sorts of women's professions. Well, what I like about that too, is that I was just saying the other day, I don't know the names of important people that have really, you know, impacted lives in, you know, profound ways. Like, I don't know who uh, invented air conditioning. I don't know the name of that person. I can name all of the people Kim Kardashian's been married to. (laughs) And it's upsetting that I can, not even just Kim. I mean, we can go down the whole family. I, no problem. But if you ask me who invented air conditioning, who, um, you know, invented this life-saving vaccine or, you know, wrote the law that made things, I, I couldn't tell you probably nine times out of 10, which is, you know, a, a sad reflection on myself, but I feel like I'm in the majority. Yeah, no, I think, yes. People who have made an impact go largely uh, anonymous. Yeah. So if I was a little girl and I got one of those dolls and I can say, well, this is Dr. Blah, blah, blah. Again, I don't know the fucking lady's name, but she did something good. Yeah. Dr. Whitby. Look, this is Dr. Whitby and she did this. That's great. You're one no, step no, ahead no. of the game. Yes, I agree with you. I think it is. I think it's very smart of the Barbie brand. And uh, I think it's very good for, for young girls. Even, let me say this, even if they don't know who they're, what their names are, at least they're dressed as scientists and doctors and, you know. And Ken. What about him? I'm just saying, don't forget him. <laughs> Well, he, he's also, I mean, at least they're equal opportunity in that way. Ken is also very one-dimensional. Yeah. He's just in it because he looks good. Yeah. Well, that describes a lot of people. <laughs> that does. 
All right. Well, that'll be a segue into a movie that is not at all about female <laughs> empowerment. And that will be this week we watched Color of Night from 1994, which uh, I will have to say we chose because you mentioned it last week and we had to do something from your favorite genre, erotic thriller. Right. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. I love an erotic thriller, particularly one from the 90s. That's, I think, when it's prime, prime erotic thrillers. Yeah, there was a bunch of them back then, right? Yeah, I lo- and I see, see them all in the movies. Loved them yeah. all. Uh, well, this one stars Bruce Willis. He's the lead. Who's wonderful. Um, Who doesn't like Bruce Willis? I, yeah, I, I, I like Best. Bruce Willis. I got, I got no beef with that. <laughs> Uh, his leading lady is a woman. I, I never saw her before. And I did look up her sort of resume. I don't think I ever saw anything that she was in again. Her name is Jane March. Yeah. Well, I remember she was in another, it wasn't an erotic thriller, but it was definitely a sexy movie called the lover. Yes. That was it came around the same time. Yeah. So she, she's no stranger to, um, some sexy scenes. Oh gosh. No. Uh, and, and I will note when I was doing my research on this movie, when she filmed The Lover, which I haven't seen and I don't know anything about, but she was only 16. And I apparently oh. that movie, she has full frontal nudity. Oh, I didn't know she was just 16. 16. This is back to uh, blame it on Rio territory. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this one's all star cast, man. You got Bacula. You got, again, yeah. uh, Leslie Ann Warren. You got Shirley Knight. You got... Uh, Ruben Blades. Yep. Who else is uh, in there? Brad Dorff, who's the best. Yep. Uh, Lance Henderson. Oh, he's the best. L- l- literally an all-star cast. It was it was an embarrassment of, of riches. Yeah, and let me just say, Eric LaSalle was in this movie, and I swear I don't know who he played. Someone named Anderson. I don't he know. He had like was. no lines. He was he was um in the uh police police precinct. He like brought the coffee in to. Ruben Blades. Oh, that was it? I'm like, why yeah. did he get like credited? I, I feel like he must have had scenes cut because by that time he was on ER. He had done like other movies. So he, I bet they must have cut some stuff out from him. He said, we're going to need more full nudity. I'm sorry, LaSalle. Your scene was cut. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. So I'll just start on the note of full nudity. I read that Maxim magazine, what a fine uh, mm-hmm. periodical, yeah. uh, voted this film with the greatest sex scene of all time. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's some good sex scenes, but I don't know if I'd say the greatest. Well, I was like, which, is it the one in the pool? It must be the pool just, just for the mere feat of having, performing conolingus underwater while still breathing. That was, there was a lot of things happening underwater that I was like, this, I feel like they're going to drown. Well, and also that's not fun. We all know it. We all know it. That's not, that's having sex in a pool is let alone underwater. No. (laughs) Underwater. That's what gets you underwater eyes open. (laughs) That that whole scene is fun to watch, but it's not very realistic in terms of um, anything. Yeah. No part of it. But okay, so here's the story of this movie. And 
I'll just say, I felt like the whole thing was like a dress rehearsal for the sixth sense in some weird way. Like, okay, this was a psychiatrist. Oh no, this one, he's just, a, he makes a point of saying he's not an actual doctor. He's not a psychiatrist. He's just a psychologist. Yes, he's a psychologist. But yeah. like, didn't you feel like, oh, he was, this is his training for the sixth sense. Kind of. Well, here's what I, I thought that the, I mean, the entire premise of the movie is fairly um, questionable in terms of, uh gross mischaracterization of mental illness at large yeah and i say that generously in yes. terms of every character in this film it's it's you know pretty wild yeah and i will say i was sort of like liking the movie for like the first half but then by the end none of the motivations made any sense to me so I was like what I was like this movie just took such a bad turn I mean it never whatever all right so here's the story (laughs) so Bruce Willis plays Dr. Bill Kappa (laughs) yeah a New York psychologist who in the first scene this is why I feel like it's kind of very sixth sensey in the first scene his patient has some kind of like mental breakdown she's putting on lots of red lipstick that thing was cool though where that she had all her lipsticks in it that lipstick holder yeah she's she's putting on her teeth yeah i love her that actress she was in um witchboard only you would know that that's great flick anyway she then she's like she goes to see him she's like telling him that you know whatever she's losing it and he says so i don't even remember what he says she literally she literally runs and breaks through a glass wall which i think is very hard to do you yeah that glass didn't seem very strong no i don't think you can do that but anyway and falls i don't know 30 stories to her death it was quite a fall it was a very far fall and he is traumatized by this now that and as a result becomes colorblind only to the color red only to the color red because that was her lipstick well no because the blood the pool of blood she was under yes and i'm sorry and i had read also the lipstick was like a triggering well yeah throughout the whole movie they thought they were so clever with like everybody dressed in red or like a pop of red and you know which apparently he only then from then on in saw as gray yeah he was traumatized what that i don't even know why that had to be part of the plot but anyway psychologists are because it's called color of night anyway so then he decides to get away from it all and go to la he leaves his his practice and his psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever tells him it's a you know he didn't do anything wrong but he's racked with guilt over this patient dying right so his friend is scott bacula who I wish was my friend. Who doesn't love Scott Bakula? He's the best. He's another one that's had a, a very uh, successful career. Oh, yeah. It's Bakula. He's been in everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he goes to see him. And for some wackadoo reason, he the day he gets there, he's like, you should come to my Monday night session. I want to get your take on this group of five people who are in this thing. Yeah. Right. And as you said, they all have various mental illnesses in this group. But here's the people. Wait, so we have this out. So Leslie Ann Warren plays this sex pot. Sandra. Um, named Sandra, who is a kleptomaniac slash 
nymphomaniac. I don't even know if that's an expression anymore, but she loves sex and she loves stealing. Yes, that's true. Look, that's all right. Then we got um, <laughs> Brad Dorif. Brad Dorif, who's who plays a lawyer who has like very bad OCD, and it's like taking over his life because he he's, his OCD has just gotten out of control. Right. And then there's the guy who's the painter. He's like some sort of artist. Yes. And I couldn't figure out what his problem was. He just seemed like an asshole. His name was Casey and he paints sadomasochistic images. Yeah. But again, like, why do you have to be in therapy for that? Group, group therapy, no less. Yeah. The group therapy part. None of these, all right, keep going. None of them were connected. And then the last one was Lance Hendrickson, who, who was in there because for a good, I mean, his, his wife and daughter were killed and he, can't get over the trauma of it and like can't move on and then lastly there's a boy named richie yes who is there for court-ordered reason and also because he has a stutter and also says he wants to be a woman it was there was it was there were several things going on there with richie yeah, he has um all, yeah, he has social anxiety and a history of drug use. Oh, that was but why did they say why he why he had to go into um treatment cuz at one point they're like it was the court mandated it. I think it might have been because of the drug offenses, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so these are the five that are in this this weekly session that I'm not sure since they all had different issues what how that worked, but Right. All right. Look, who am, who am I to question Scott Bakula? Well, and let me say this. I am now, this is going to sound ridiculous. When I saw Richie and then they said that Richie felt like he wanted to be a woman. I just immediately was like, that is a woman. Like it looked like yeah. a woman playing a boy. The makeup is not great. No, like, something looks off with Richie. Right now. I didn't put the whole thing together, but which I now feel dumb that I didn't. But uh, I just thought, oh, well, this is going to turn out to be a woman. Like, I just thought it was like, oh, sh- this is a woman pretending to be a boy who wants to be a woman. But right. Yeah. Okay. Something you you can you can sense that there's something there's more that meets the eye <laughs> yeah. to Richie. Yeah. So shortly after um, Bill, as Bruce Willis is known in this movie, arrives, Scott Bakula he, he tells Bruce Willis that he is being threatened by somebody and he thinks it's somebody in his group. And that's why he wanted him to sit in to see what he thinks. Yeah. And then lo and behold, like the next day he is brutally murdered in his office. Well, he has him go to his house. Yeah. Bacula. And it's like a full, it's like if a bachelor pad was, was in Fort Knox. Like it's like a cool bachelor pad that he has every kind of, electronic gates and you know cameras and special buzzers to let people in like i mean you name it like really over the top security yeah but he's tooling around town in a convertible yeah like life's great like he goes to bruce willis hey you want to go get laid (laughs) like this is he's like i am scared for my life i am i have created you know extreme security yet let's go get laid yeah they go out for bike rides i mean he's not really yeah, they're biking he's living yeah. that's what's funny about it. he's like totally living his life 
his off in his office nothing i don't didn't see any security in the office just at his house he is where he has it all under wraps yeah and the night that he's murdered it's because he stays there late he's the only he like says goodbye to everybody and he's staying there working which again seems a little bit foolhardy if you think someone's trying to kill you yeah you know whenever the person the secretary says i'm i'm gonna leave now you want me to close up yeah nothing good's gonna happen no. and then they turn off the first set of lights when you hear the i'm gonna leave and then you hear the door shut and then the first set of lights go out uh there's trouble for bacula yeah yeah so he gets violently murdered and yes then- it was, he was he was stabbed a million times and then again fell through glass they love yeah. that in this movie that falling through the glass and and then was like impaled by a giant piece of glass yeah that was the that was the final straw i guess yeah oh you know what else is funny there's a part before bacula dies and bruce willis is in the you know meeting all the people in the group and brad dorif it made me think what about bob like he's like have you read this book and he pulls down bacula's book and he's like have you read it it's brilliant and bruce willis scott bacula's best friend is like oh no i haven't read it which i was like that's a weird thing to add yeah yeah there's a lot of well okay and then the next weird thing that happens is that it seems to me after he gets murdered the police lieutenant or or whatever i don't know what his hector martinez Never get his name. ruben blades he's like a maniac in this and it's fun yeah he's ridiculous it's almost as if he tasks bruce willis with finding the murderer <laughs> yes it, 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 it he calls him into the office <laughs> and is like reading him yelling yelling at him about things and then he's like why don't you take over the group and bruce willis is like i don't want to i'm i'm grieving and i don't and he's like what do you mean don't all you shrinks like to take over each other's turf and screaming at him and it seems what's funny is it seems like they have a very contentious relationship yet the next time we see them together they're out at a club a club having drinks so it's like they, they go from him yelling at him and, and almost accusing him of murder at one point to now their buddies just relaxing a night out on the town well and also let's keep in mind this is someone who has been in la for i think two days at this <laughs> yeah. point yeah and he's like um i know you're not at all involved with police work but you are going to figure out who killed him because you're going to keep up this group and like look right. for clues well that's the thing so bacula tells bruce willis i the reason i the reason i had you sit in on the group session is someone is threatening me i'm pretty sure it's someone in this group and he doesn't really explain why he thinks that or who it could be but he wanted bruce willis's like expert opinion on you know the five people yeah so instead of getting out of dodge like a normal person he's like yeah okay i'll i'll just take over this group take over the group he took over his whole life he was living in his house oh yeah he living a it lot up. of damage to his car i mean he's driving his car li- literally getting and receiving mail uh <laughs> driving his car living in his house taking over all his cases and also being a full detective yeah he's doing all the detective work and i'm i mean i've been in therapy but i don't think normally therapists like come to your house and and question you no but guess who does bruce willis 
Of course. Of course he does. He's like doing the old, you know, where you read, where they look down and they look at the notes they've scribbled and looking up at the address. Yeah. You know, those scenes oh, yeah. they love to do, like detectives. Yeah. He was full moonlighting. Full ooh, moonlighting. Yeah. Talk about great Bruce Willis. Yeah. So very soon thereafter, he gets into a fender bender and it's with this young woman who he starts to have a uh, steamy, let's just call it a steamy affair. They love water sex because they're doing it, like we said, full underwater in a pool. Yeah. In a jacuzzi. Yeah. In a shower at one point. In a bath. They love sex and water. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. I mean, dry off. Oh, and then at one point they're in bed having sex and she's and sweat. They love water, be it sweat, (laughs) chlorinated, fresh, bubbling. Any variety. Hot, cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing that disturbed me about this because they also (laughs) make note about this later on. Several people comment on this. In in this movie and in real life, because I looked it up, right when he goes to see Scott Bakula, Scott Bakula makes a comment about how they're both about to turn 40. Like something like, oh, two guys are about to turn 40 or something like that. Yeah. This girl is like a teenager. She is quite young. How old is she is supposed to really like 20? Like I, I, they don't really say in, in real life, she was just 20. She might've even been 19. Oh, now I have to say in the movie, which we can get to later, I'm guessing she was probably 18. For legal reasons. I, her, her, she, it, the, the birthday just yeah. turned over the day before she met Bruce Willis. Yeah. So I'm like that, that never concerns Bruce Willis at all. It's just like, here's this basically a teenager. I'm turning 40. I just met her. I don't even know her name. And yet we're jumping in the pool and having all this sex. In LA, a guy dating a girl 20 years younger than him, a problem, a successful guy. No, it just seemed like this might be illegal. That's all I'm going to say. I kept being like, or, or maybe questionable, especially when your job is, is a psycho psychologist or yeah. Yeah. But she has a hot body and can breathe underwater and you can't find that a lot. Yeah. So, um, he becomes involved with this woman though. He knows you know, nothing about her. Literally, and, at one point he goes, I literally know nothing about you. I don't know your, uh, anything but your name and that's it. Yeah. She won't give him her phone number. She <laughs> shows up when she wants to at his place. He knows nothing but her name and in, inside of her labia <laughs> quite well that he does know quite well. So yes. that's something. Yeah. So at, and as we said, at the same time, he's, you know, doing this Monday night group, trying to solve this murder. Yeah, he's not even conducting it. Like, that's what's so funny. He's not even conducting it like a normal therapy. Like he's full trying to get to the bottom of things. Of who could have killed his friend, Bill. Now people are trying to kill him. There was like, he was chased. He got into this terrible car chase with this red trans, again, red, red Trans Am. Another time the red Trans Am pushes a car off of the top of a, of a parking garage and almost hits him. Well, what about when he gets the mail and and there's a poisonous snake inside the mailbox? Of course. uh, Yes. And also I will say, uh, they took full advantage of Bruce Willis because he has his shirt off in that scene. And like, he just came back from a run or so. I don't know. He He looks good to me. I think Bruce Willis is hot. 
he had a shirt off quite a bit. So it's not like he was, she was the only one that was objectified. I got no uh, problem. And I will have less problems when I watch those special scenes that show penis. There apparently there is one. Yeah. Well done, Bruce Willis. Well done, Bruce Willis. So anyway, long story short, it seems to be like they, they're sort of setting the stage that any of these people could yeah. have killed their Oh, and he starts getting like crank calls on, on, not his phone, sorry, Scott Bakula's car phone, you know, because he's taken over all of his possessions and property. Yes. He starts getting weird crank calls. He keeps going out. At one point he's at um, Ruben Blade's birthday party. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a guest at his birthday party while they talk over the case. As it turns out, this mysterious woman that he is having this affair with winds up that she is romantically involved with each of the patients in the group yep every single one yes and but no one realizes that they all know her and she goes by the name of bonnie right yeah to them she's bonnie they're all because at one point bruce willis again what this has to do with their therapy has them go around the room where he's like tell me in your love life like (laughs) um (laughs) Sometimes the per- people you're, you're involved with are a good reflection of, of your own psychoses. Yeah. And boy, was he right. But he's like, tell me about it. And each one, and first of all, Lance Hendrickson describes her. At one point he's like, five, three, brunette, like a hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, all, all of them are like, she's young and she makes me feel young. I mean, they're all, you know, very enamored with this Bonnie. And unbeknownst to all of them, Bonnie is also one of the members of the group because she turns out to be Richie. Yes. And Richie, so this is so this is supposed to be the big aha moment. Richie was in fact her brother, her younger brother. Yeah. Who killed himself because he was being molested by his psychologist. Yeah. Whose wife is Shirley Knight, who's also wonderful. Yes, whose wife is whose wife Bruce Willis goes to interrogate. Right. Once again, Bruce Willis shows up at a woman's door. It doesn't, first of all, nobody ever says, can I, who are you? Can I see an ID? Like, why are you here? Are you the police? Yeah. He's like, I need to know who, what happened to Richie? And the woman tells, I mean, I've never seen a movie where there's so much people being grabbed by the collar and lunging at people and grabbing them by the collar. I think every character does it to each other at least once. Yeah, there's yeah, there's someone springs across the room and just grabs them, and they're like, "I thought I told you," you know. Yeah, everybody. I mean, they really, they really give it the give it their all in in every scene. Yeah, yeah. He goes to her house and he says, "Oh, do we mention?" So at one point, um, Richie's brother comes and visits Bruce Willis. Yes. At, at the office at Bacula's yes. office and now Bruce Willis is running apparently yeah his name is Dale and he says hey I don't want Richie to be doing we're in your group anymore you know and Bruce Willis is like well I don't know doesn't the court say he has to stay in and I think it would benefit him and the guy's like no you know I'm just not into it he's he and I are the only ones like we're sticking together it it, it he painted like a picture where they had a troubled childhood and they, you know, really were the only ones there for each other and all this kind of stuff. So something about him does make you go, what's this guy's story? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it turns out that it was a family of three. It was the oldest brother, Dale, then the sister, Rose, then the youngest sibling was this Richie. Richie, both Richie and Dale were uh, molested by the same psychologist. Yeah. Well, Bruce Willis put that together with no, no evidence, but, you know, except for his brain, who that's knows, you know. Yes. Yes. So after, so Richie kills himself and afterwards the older brother, Dale forces his sister Rose to assume the identity of Richie. Right. With a very bad wig and glasses. Yes. And that incites a literally a personality disorder in Rose. Yeah. She gets a full multiple personality disorder. Yeah. So she becomes Rose. She becomes Richie. And then she adds a third personality, Bonnie, who's the one that's out sleeping with everybody. Right. Again, I don't think this movie is winning any awards from like a psychiatric association. I think it's wildly uh, generalizing of, of all of the various conditions that are explored in this film. But yeah, we're, we're expected to believe that Rose, after being conditioned over a number of years by her crazy brother dale yeah um is now separated into different people and only the love of a good 20 years older than her man that they don't know each other's last names right um or phone number or phone number can somehow bring her out of it yes she is only herself around bruce willis only bruce willis's penis has the cure (laughs) or her multiple personality disorder so here's the thing. So apparently, now this is where the whole thing, I mean, there's so many things that break down, but yeah. And that whole scene where that, ex- where he figures it out that she's wrote Rose and he figures it, it all goes down in about three minutes of like, she explains what happened. She's, she's coherent enough to really explain her problem. Yeah. Really pretty clearly. Well, the other thing that, that, yes, yes. And she's mortally, I mean, almost mortally wounded. She's, he, she's been like beat, like whipped with, on her back. Yeah. And her hands are, are nailed to the chair, the chair. So she can't escape, which is pretty gruesome with the nails, but yeah, she's in a bad way. She's in a very bad way. And he finds her and he's like, I need to, t- I need to talk to Rose. Right. Um, you know, and she's able to kind of explain her personalities and like what went down. Yeah. So basically what we are led, what we are told is that the older brother killed uh, Scott Bakula because Scott Bakula was also sleeping with Rose. Yeah. And he had sort of figured it out of that. She was Richie. The older brother didn't want that to get out. So he kills Scott Bakula. Right. And Rose also didn't want it to get out because she is you know it, it, this is why i think it's a kind of good good thriller because it does make you question a little bit like is she the killer is she in on this is she because she's kind of fine seeing that bruce willis and the other people in the group are starting to put little things together and at one point she's searching for a photo which eventually is found in bruce willis in, in a book that pacula left behind and it's a photo of rose and Bruce Willis looks at it and says, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then it's like, who recognizes this woman? And of course, all of them say, that's my Bonnie. No, that's my Bonnie. Take it back. You're lying. That kind of stuff. (laughs) But 
you know, he's like, oh shit, we've all been had. Ruben Blades is like, you've all been had, even even you, Doc. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good he's doing. Well, he, he's done zero police work. He's just casting dispersions <laughs> on other people. Yeah, he's like, you're not doing very good detective work, Bruce Willis, psycho- psychologist. Yeah, and I will say before this, not that we knew this, but the, the, um, the guy in the group, Casey, gets killed because he also has figured out who... Bonnie slash Rose slash Richie is. Here's my question about that scene. Because we see him again, he's he's been having an affair with this Bonnie, and she's he makes a whole point of talking about how she's like his muse and all of his art. So obviously her face is in all of his artwork. Yep. But when he is he's like working out, and you don't obviously don't see the killer, but the person comes in and he's like, Hey, what are you doing here? Let's make it quick. Is that supposed to be Bonnie or is that Dale coming in? Like what happened there? That's the brother. The brother came in. But why, then why was um, Casey so at ease with him? I I don't think, I think he, well, Casey was also a little, you know, as they all are a little bit crazy, but I think he realized that he, he, he knew he was coming to kill him. And I think he was just like, make it quick. Like he was sort of a quirky character anyway, but that he wasn't working out that thing was part of the pulley system that he that he oh his s m machine yeah paintings yeah so i i believe it was the brother and he knew what was up but you know he was a little kooky and so he, he didn't have like a normal reaction to yeah so i need to kill you so when bruce willis again who's lead investigator on this case <laughs> um shows up he sees all of the artwork the, the face has been cut out and you know, once again, his colorblindness has him not realize that he's been standing in a pool of blood, laying in, nay, laying in a pool of blood. Yes. Casey's blood, because he's yes. been now brutally murdered by someone, whoever is, who, whoever is terrorizing this group. That's when Bruce Willis is like, oh shit, she's Richie in on this and is Richie because the only one not present was Richie you know, in the, in the group. So yeah. he goes, rushes off to the warehouse that the brother worked at. Is that what was happening? Cause oh, the brother was, was welding. Yeah. The brother was well, a welder. So yeah. he, yeah. So he gets there in the nick of time to save Rose. Yeah. They, you know, he starts to escape only to be stopped by Dale who has yeah. the nail gun. Yeah, and yeah. shooting the nail gun just at everyone and everything. Very accurate, though. Very accurate. He's very good. Yeah, he's very yeah. good. Uh, Ruben Blades shows up like, hey, finally, finally, the actual police show up <laughs> with a gun. He yet is bested by Dale because Dale yeah. shoots him a bunch of times with the nail gun. And, and nails his hand to the wall. Yeah, yeah. sure does. Yeah. Um, And Bruce Willis and what's her name try to make their escape mm-hmm. she tries to she nail guns her own brother yes yeah, because he's him. you know and then she tries to nail gun herself but there's no more nails right and she runs to the roof where yeah. once again bruce willis is faced with this you know harrowing dilemma where she's she's gonna jump and he 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 talks her off the ledge literally literally yeah and I will say that 
Reuben Blades, his he is nailed. He's physically nailed to the wall. <laughs> right. Somehow he's like conscious. Like I don't even know if you have like three nails through your. It hand. seemed like he was in a bad way, but he seemed fine because he was yelling, "Come on!" Yeah. So he's yelling, and Bruce Willis, after you know, he rescues Rose. Here's here's Reuben yelling and is laughing like, "Ha ha ha!" I guess we gotta go get him this guy down there and then and then also he sees miraculously a light goes on on the roof and it's red so he is able to see red again the 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 final trauma brings the colors back like he's right. now cured of his color two horrible traumas have now cured him i don't i don't even know what, but again what was the point of all the color blindness who cares I, I don't know, just a little extra. But then also it's like, he seems to imply to Rose that they are like in this together as a couple, like as a romantic couple, which oh, yeah. again, as a, as a, psych- a psychiatric expert, I would think would be questionable at best given she's tried to commit suicide several times, has multiple personality disorder, um, just had to kill her own brother. I'm just saying maybe they want to take it slow a little bit romance wise. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so too. Um, and, and to me, let me just say, I didn't, I didn't think none of it made sense to me. Like it was like, okay, fine. She, let's just take the face value of she has a split personality disorder. Okay, fine. Why then did she have to sleep with everybody in this group? Like, I didn't understand what was the point of any of that. She said something at some point about how that group kind of became her family. And she, I think that the, the identity of Bonnie wanted to make all of them happy in some way. And clearly sexually is how she likes to do that. Well, I will just say by the end, I was like, this movie is like any shred of logic is now gone. And I can't like, I was sort of into it. And then I was like, this is terrible. This is just, it doesn't even terrible. It doesn't even make any sense. It makes, and the other thing is. Love doesn't make sense sometimes, Chrissy. Okay. But let me say this. Even if, even if everybody knew that her brother forced her into being Richie. Yeah. That part was weird. Like how that whole thing and no one ever found that out was a little murky well also and that that's not cause for him to kill anybody like it would be different if it was like if he was sexually molesting her or something all he did i mean not, oh, not she did say her. that she did she goes he was doing things to me the, the sounds like the brother was really something it's like really bad news but didn't he say something like he buried a body they buried something somebody probably the brother Richie. Yeah. But it sounds like he was sexually abusing her. Well, that's what I was confused if, because I was confused if that was her being Richie. Remember being sexually molested by the. No, I think, I think the brother was molesting her as Richie. Well, and the whole thing is, and, and let me, so this goes back to her age. So Richie killed himself at 14. That was two years ago. So he's supposed to be 16. She's his older sister. I'm like, how old is she possibly supposed to be? They needed to make it street legal, Chrissy. They, they did the math and the math said 18, 18. Yeah. Um, well, I will say, Anne, what is probably more interesting is what went on after this movie was filmed in the post-production. Process. Well, I would love to hear this because I don't know any of this. I just know the 
the fun of the movie itself. Well, apparently the filming and all that went went totally fine and all smooth sailing. But it was directed by this man, Richard Rush. Okay. And the movie producer was a man named uh, Andrew Vajna. Vajna? Anyway, those two got into a huge fight during the post-production process. Really? Yes. And the director uh, delivered a cut that the producer, um, Andrew, did not like. And he demanded a recut. Richard Rush refused to do a recut. So then he, the producer, Andrew, took over and did his own cut. Then they were feuding over whose cut would be released. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, They each had their cuts tested. And apparently people did like the director's version better, which was 10 minutes longer, because I guess it (laughs) cleared up a lot of questions that people had about like, the the current cut is which is the one that we well i have to see these extra scenes yeah i i but nonetheless the producer won out and his cut was the one that um was released uh because the the director rush suffered a near fatal heart attack (gasps) oh my and became hospitalized (gasps) and then once he recovered he decided to compromise with the producer and the producer's cut would be released theatrically and the director's cut would see a video release. Wow. Big fighting. Anyway, the reviews were terrible. It was named the worst movie of 1994. It was? Wow. Yes, it won the Golden Razzie. Janet Maslin in the New York Times called it memorably bizarre. I I agree with that assessment. She said the enthusiastically nutty, the enthusiastically nutty color of night has the single-mindedness of a bad dream and about as much reliance on everyday logic. That's a good review to me in terms of something that I would want to watch. She says that Richie's disguise wouldn't fool anyone anywhere, which I agree with. Uh, Roger Ebert, one of my favorites, said, I was frankly stupefied. He usually loves sex and movies. I know he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, he said to call it absurd would be missing the point since any shred of credibility was obviously the first thing thrown overboard. <laughs> That's a great review. Yeah, it's so lurid in its melodrama and so goofy in its plotting that with just a little bit more trouble, it could have been a comedy. And then another critic stated that the film was mediocre L.A., noir thriller made more tolerable by jane march disrobing frequently i'm on board with that is she another movie? yeah i haven't really seen her since this movie i'm sure she's worked since but well you'll love this Anne. i did see uh a movie she did i didn't see it but i saw that she was in a movie in the 90s one like a, a tarzan movie and tarzan was played by casper van dean <gasps> well we're gonna have to watch that one you do realize that and she was jane okay well we have to watch that <laughs> there's you you can't you can't give me that information and then and then say we're not gonna watch casper van dean as tarzan and jane march as jane i think it was called like the lost tarzan maybe i believe it must be <laughs> and i'm pretty sure i'll be watching that 
Yeah, so I'm going to say that this movie, of course, I'm going to give a mold don't. And I, of course, am giving it a Muldoon. A Muldoon. I didn't, I, I hate to even admit this. I was enjoying it for the first half. And then I was <laughs> like, oh, this is just getting worse. Somehow I never even heard of this movie. I would think in 1994 I would have, but this one went right by me. Yeah, not me. Um, it was a very, did very, very poorly at the box office in 94, but interestingly enough in 95 was one of the highest rated um rentals of that year of 95 yeah including for me i guess we're got out of those sex scenes i can't i imagine. think that's exactly what it was people said yeah. there's some real hot sex scenes in this and yeah. it's an it's a, and you know as you know i love an erotic thriller it is an erotic thriller yeah and this was during a period of time then bruce willis was making a lot of bad movies oh here we go he was in striking distance he yeah. was in north where he played an oh, angel in a bodysuit. Yeah, North is no North is that was also panned. Yeah. Um, and this was right before um Pulp Fiction. So they they wow. when he made this movie, they were saying that his career was considered kaput. And then he did Pulp Fiction, which helped. Oh yeah, then then it all then it all turned around. Which the man great. is like, I mean, of course he's made some bad movies again, but he um he made a ton of money after all that. Oh, he was in Look Who's Talking, the voice of the baby. You know how I feel about Look Who's Talking. No. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It is? Yeah. Look Who's Talking Part One. Any, If Look Who's Talking Part One is on TV, I stop what I'm doing and I watch it. You've got a lot of quirks, Anne. Look, that goes for Look Who's Talking Part One and Overboard. Those two movies, if ever they're on television, I stop what I'm doing and I watch well let me just say 1994 the year this movie came out he was in five films that year yeah and i'm just saying though like some of them like north i think i want to say that was a rob reiner movie yeah it was and it just people didn't like it so he was making good i think he was making what and hudson hawk too was supposed to be a big one and um so i think career-wise like he was definitely making things that everyone thought was going to be a huge hit and then wasn't. And then he was making the ones that he was going to make some money at like this one. And, you know, well, yeah. who's talking like those were, he probably just got good paychecks for those. Well, that's, what's interesting in his career. I have that. And now that I'm looking at this list in 94, he was in North and color of night, but he was also in Pulp Fiction and nobody's fool. I love nobody's. Right. Fool. So those are all, I mean, to me, all good movies, but, um, Really, the only one that wasn't a quote good movie is *The Color of Night*. He's made a lot, and and, and several like there were many years that he made several movies a year. He, yeah, he's he's doing okay for himself. You know, my dad. When my dad was a teach, my dad when he first started working was a teacher, and he worked at Penns Grove High School in New Jersey. And Bruce Willis was a student in his class. He was in his study hall. Really? Yeah. And then my dad quit teaching after like two years or something, three years. Bruce Willis. That's not bad. Two years. You got Bruce Willis in your class. That he was, um, affable guy. Yeah, I bet. Well, I, I'm, on that note, I got nothing left. I am, I'm, I'm done. You've given, you've given all you can to this I endeavor. Didn't see this going this way, but I guess I should have. <laughs> yes, I should have. Shame <laughs> on me. I know. What did, what did you think was going to happen? 
What, what honestly did you think was going to happen here? I thought we were going to talk about the director's heart attack that he had because he was fighting with the producer so much. Well, he wanted, he really wanted his story to be seen. <laughs> he, he really felt like he got gypped in terms of the, the logic of the story coming. Well, you know what? In his honor, I will, I will not rest until I see his cut. All right. It will well, not I, have been in vain. I really want you to promise that you're not going to spend $13 on this film. I know that's like eight ice, iced teas for you. Oh, and it's the principle of the thing. I mean, I'll see if I'll just, I'll look around on YouTube. I'm sure yeah. someone's pirated it somewhere. Gotta be. I bet if I just YouTube Bruce Willis penis, it'll pop right up. Oh, in color of night. Yeah. The penis and the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is so fun. I wonder how many times I said penis in this episode. God. All right. I think that should be the last one. <laughs> At least I'm using anatomically correct words. Yes. Thank you for that. You're welcome. See, I'm nothing if not a lady. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I won't let anyone sully your good name. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was fun. Until next weekend. Until next time. That was outrageous. Until I make Chrissy watch another movie with <laughs> vegetable sex. Outrageous. <laughs> <laughs>